In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. Hope the sun is shining. Hope the birds are singing. The wind is at your back. I got Duncan So with me today, the burnout interventionalist, a beacon of hope in a world where burnout threatens to dim our inner fire with a deep understanding of the human experience. Experience, experience. Duncan helps individuals and teams navigate the challenges of burnout, guiding them toward healing and renewed vitality. In a society where burnout knows no boundaries, Duncan believes in the universal need for compassion and support as we confront the silent pandemic of burnout. Duncan's mission is clear, to empower individuals to reclaim their sense of purpose, resilience, and well-being. With a proven track record of guiding thousands toward recovery, Duncan is committed to fostering healthier, more sustainable workplaces where employees can thrive. Duncan, thank you for being here today, my friend. How are you? Oh, George, thank you for having me. And, and what an illustrative introduction. That's so, I can, I can listen to that to, to sleep, allow <laughs> me to both inspiration, excitement, and right to bed. What, what, a, what a powerful intro. Thank you for having me. Ah, the pleasure's all mine. I'm excited to talk to you. I, I think that when I think about burnout, okay, I have so many thoughts on it and there's so much going around. Maybe it's the demographics of the people that are living today, or maybe it's a spot in my life, or Maybe it's just the changing workforce, the world we live in. But I wanted to give you an opportunity. Like, how do you define burnout? And I thought we'd just jump into this bad boy head on. How do you define burnout, man? Well, maybe I'll give you three definitions. So Please. one of them will be mine and one of them will be more the, the, the more stricter version of it. So okay. uh, the World Health Organization defines burnout, quote, uh, to manage chronic uh, stress in the workplace and you know, having gone through it, not just as an interventionalist, but going through it myself personally, um, it's probably not as updated as it should be. I mean, this was just before the pandemic when that came out, and we realized a few things that came from that one. One, it's uh, not all workplace related. You know, having been in the lockdown for so many people, realizing that uh, chronic stress can stem from many places, and that we went through this whole uh, work-life blur. 
uh, that happened during that time and, and opened up a lot of stuff for so many people. And so we realized that wasn't really true. Um, and the second piece is an interesting one. This is more of both my belief and both my experience. Um, when you define it as mismanaged uh, chronic stress, there's two parts of it. So one where it's correct, it's chronic stress, meaning is it's different than acute stress or in the moment stress. Um, now the challenge with that definition is we don't really want to manage and or mismanage chronic stress, meaning is if it presupposes that chronic stress is something we should have in our life. Uh, the reality is far from the truth for that because if chronic stress becomes our reality, in my definition, that is just the definition of suffering. Like why would we want mm. to intentionally suffer? And so I, I think the more more accurate um, you know, definition going through that would be uh, managing acute stress or managing stressors and eliminating uh, the chronic. The chronic in the chronic stress is probably the better approach when it comes to definition to um, going into like a solutioning process. Now, the second definition is probably more useful for most of us because burnout, unlike many other uh, what I call mental health conditions that you might break out in the DSM, um, burnout is a metaphor. <laughs> like if you, if it's not a three syllable word that has roots in Latin or something like that, it's actually a metaphor. And we all speak in metaphor. So in a way we all will gravitate towards what burnout means for each individual person. And metaphorically speaking, that is like the burning out means the flame inside is being extinguished and why there is such a powerful relationship to burnout as a path. We can go into the big picture consciousness stuff too, as well, the social stuff um, after this. And there is a relationship to uh, why and how burnout is really important for us in 2024 or really since um, the 2000s and how technology and, and how we work and all these different things play a big role in the expansion of ourselves as human beings. Mm -hmm. So there is a really powerful component there as well. My definition that I strictly use uh, doing my clinical work is uh, when you spend more energy than you can replenish, and the keyword is as a habit, meaning is from a neuro-linguistic programming, and we'll go into that as well, from an NLP lens, we all look at patterns or programming, things that run on the inside. Mm -hmm. And the challenge, just like financial management, is this is mental and emotional energy management. And so most of us today sort of have life control us versus the other way around. And whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a working mom, whoever it is, um, when we lose control and begin to expend so much of this energy and we can't replenish naturally, meaning is we have to like willpower it through, um, you know, our unconscious mind, our habits, our patterns will eat us alive. Um, and that's the point, not in a good or a bad way, it's just the point of those habits is to make our life simpler. And if it's uh, not in a healthy way, then uh, it'll drive us to mental and emotional bankruptcy in this case, which uh, most of us will uh, label as burnout as well. So that's what I use uh, in, in my work to help to address all those and intervene with all those different patterns uh, and move people towards uh, total well-being. It's really well said. And I, It's interesting to me the two it seems to me with those definitions the the i think you'd even go you could even simplify it more on some level and maybe this happens with with a lot of things is that there's a there's an individual burnout and then there is a sort of group burnout mm -hmm. and when i look at the world of employment today especially like multinational corporations or you know anything that's unfortunately really profit driven instead of driven by meaningful action what you see in my <clears throat> my opinion is the the burnout comes from the lies that are told on the inside. And the inside is like, hey, we want everybody to be fine. We want them to work. But really, you want profit. 
And when those two things come together, you can have people on the bottom that feel like they're building something. But if you have people at the top that don't just see them as a number, like that, that snuffs out the flame of the candle. It just puts like a wet rag right at the top and production just goes down to the ground. That causes burnout, not only for the people on the bottom that are trying to build something and build this flame and burn together, right? The tiger, tiger burning bright. You know, we want to see this thing burning. But if you have guys up top like, yeah, service doesn't really matter that much. Or, you know, eh, just cut that corner because profit matters. That seems to me to be the group burnout and the group dynamics that we're seeing on a social scale right now as we have this these two forces coming together. And then on an individual level, the entrepreneur seems to be a different type of burnout. I would say that the burnout for the individual is more like the first stage of a rocket burning through its fuel and then igniting the second stage. I think it's necessary for the individual. What's your take on that, man? Yeah, so there's a connection to that. So, okay. I mean, back to good old philosophy or as above, so below type yeah. thing. And so you can imagine, let's go back to something not too far along ago, right? 20 years ago, we went through industrialization. We went through institutionalized things, top down. And that was what we call the grind, right? And even if yeah. in our institutions like religion and so forth, kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Lots of dogma, lots of these processes. And so came a consciousness shift collectively. And, and capitalism plays a, a big role right, in this right. as well is we moved away from sort of that that we nature of we need a policy in this world a value system and moved into more yes, individualistic yes. type of thinking and so you know in the i, I would say the 2000s into the mid 2000s we have this we have this huge rise of like freedom flexibility i want to be in control of my own destiny uh i don't want to wait like 30 years to get my gold watch in retirement <laughs> i can go out do some work now and get my gold watch today now that was a healthy balance because at that point, the, the shift of that was how do we break the status quo because the status quo is stifling innovation and stifling our ability for growth. Now the pendulum swings both ways. So there was, you know, in the 2000s was really cool, especially in California, the VC world popped up and all these things that were very different than, you know, today's private equity and all you know, those different approaches. And one really powerful mechanism came into existence and that was the internet, right? So for those, you know, I, I, I was sort of like before the internet and after the internet as well. And so when we became so hyper-connected and it creates so much noise, it took the lessons that happened through, I want things now, instant gratification, um, meritocracy, agile approaches, flattened organizations and all those different things. Um, there was a sweet spot at one point, don't get me wrong, when we didn't burn out, we can still use words like work-life balance. And then today where, you know, technology is going a mile a minute, AI is going a mile a minute, and it's like, you know, humans can't really keep up, right, right. Um, creates an interesting uh, opportunity or a window for many of us, because there is a next step for this. There is an evolutionary process to this as well, is what I found in myself included is this was a lesson of, yes, there is definitely an empowering feeling of being in control of your own life, but we lose the relationship between beingness, meaning is the people that go into burnout and come out of burnout, the biggest thing, whether they're high achievers or on the path of achievement and are failing over and over and over again because of the noise we're experiencing today is what's the point of achieving all these things? I feel empty on the inside. Right. So that is kind of a nightmare. You can imagine, yeah, you know, yeah. 30, 40 years ago, there was a little bit of time to figure out who you were and, and sort of evolve that way. You know, in, in sort of our modern time, there was we have so much distraction that 
um, shuts down that 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 connection. And so when people go through burnout, I mean, there's obviously the symptomology of the anxiety, the 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 fatigue, and all those different things. But one uh, important piece that has come out of this and was very loud um, coming out of the pandemic with hashtag great resignation and this year's mm. the great negotiation, whatever you want to use yeah. in China they have this whole, like let's rot policy. It's a global phenomena is we're realizing there must be something deeper. How can we live a life or how can we contribute our time in a more meaningful and fulfilling way? And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, people, generations behind us never had this. Of course, it had this, but from a collective perspective, um, we're getting so much tension more than ever before and so much connection more than before that we're able to really begin to have those dialogues and conversations in a very meaningful way. Uh, and what I've done and what I continue to do from a systemic lens is not just support the individual. Uh, my philosophy is sort of, you know, it's not a top down approach, it's not a bottom up approach, it's an inside out approach. And so as we recover, properly recover from burnout, not just like cope with it, uh, we begin to learn so many things. And one of the lessons I thought I find very clear, uh, specifically with burnout and productivity and achievements and goals, is we move away from this nature, the cycle of I want to have things and, and to have things, I got to do things. And to when I do things, I have things. And it goes into this sort of accelerated uh, Joneses, you know, like follow mm -hmm. the Joneses type mentality. And for the first time collectively and cross-generationally as well, because we have the largest multi-cohorts of, of generations squished together in our lifetimes, thanks to modern medicine, I guess I'll call it that way. Um, and we're moving towards human beingness, right? So mm. in the 2000s, we call it what authenticity, right? Today in, in, mm. in a lot of our institutions, we call it how do you bring your whole self to work is probably one of the, the at least aspirationally speaking, is what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and where the conflicts lie is so many of us are bringing not our whole self to work. We don't even know what that means is we bring all of our parts and all of these parts are wounded and hurt um, yeah. and stressed out. And then that creates so much uh, problems that we see today. And but going through this, obviously, is then you move into sort of what uh, interconnection is like and how do you uh, bring in meaning and purpose and fulfillment and values and, and relationships and all those lessons that open up uh, once we go through uh, a challenge like burnout that we see today. That was really well said. I, I admire the, the way in which you're able to communicate that. It reminds me of, uh, I forgot who wrote this. There's a book, and I'll, I'll try to put it in the show notes, but it it spoke about the human condition going from human from from being and then slipping into having, and then from having slipping into the illusion of having, and then slipping into the idea that you can only have it the appearance of it. You know what I mean? Like we've we've slipped from being human beings to having. Like you used to be this thing, now you have this thing. Now you have the illusion of having this thing. It's like yeah, I have this house. I live here in this beautiful place. And then, okay, well, now I have a house. Now I have a mortgage, you know, but you'll never pay it off. I need to slip back. And so when you talk about moving back into being, I think it speaks volumes of the way in which uh, the relationship between burnout and altered states of consciousness flow. Like maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so that's that's one of the key lessons that comes out of it because the having or the, I call the labor intensive side, right? And again, this yeah. was an institutionalized belief system. Mm -hmm. Um, in the early days, right? So you can imagine the, the, the rise of, of Henry Ford and the industrialization and scientific management. And even today, right? Today we talk 
uh, so heavily on like you know decision data informed decision making and all those different things they're all great i mean i'm an but not just my background as an nlp as a clinician in this space i'm an engineer right i'm also an engineer my background's in that space so i have a a very deep strong appreciation for the use of applied sciences uh, to so much of our work now at the same time is well that can create a lot of tools uh that can help us to amplify grow and accelerate uh we depolarize somewhere along the lines where we lost a connection to ourselves and so mm -hmm. we went full extreme onto the outside world right what the only thing that's real is what i can touch and feel right and yeah. and and by the way like anything on the inside is an illusion suppress that right like that's not even real like it's, it's completely fake it's metaphysical right and what i found unique today is you know, coming out of burnout, we begin to reshift or renormalize into or repolarize or, or polarize properly uh, back into like, okay, the beingness nature or the consciousness nature of ourselves isn't an external world thing is, you know, we express, we project, we interpret uh, our world outside of us. And the real control is actually on the inside. And that's why whether it's like the Jones's problem or I need more to have more stuff and then go into like a sort of a perpetual death grip, right? That gets right, tighter right. and tighter and tighter. It's we learn this process of letting go. So a big one uh, through burnout is learning how to let go. And we begin to embrace these concepts of like flow, uh, which then leads into a whole school of uh, peak performance as well. Um, and we also move into a concept of less is more. And, you know, there was a whole movement and, and still is, it's still growing of, of like essentialism or minimalism, maybe a little bit extreme, but definitely figuring out like there is a relationship between standard of living and quality of life. And today mm -hmm. we've leaned too strongly on standard of living um, yes. and our quality of life has just plummeted. And, you know, the World Economic Forum, you know, whether you agree with their philosophies or not, but at a very simple level, they, you know, they sort of called out this year that, you know, we have these extremes of we can't even meet our basic needs, so many of us, because of economic challenges. And at the ex other far extreme is we can't, there's so many geopolitical problems and, and big systemic issues that we want to control that we can't, and it makes us so nervous. So 2024 sort of anxiety is around sort of those huge dichotomies and how to navigate those um, as we go through this, uh, you know, the storm, right? It's interesting. You know, as as someone like yourself who has a background in NLP and probably has a wonderful love of language, be it symbolism, body language, or regular language, what do you do? You see this move towards nouns becoming verbs as a process of evolution in the way we're seeing the world. Like I, I, you know, when you start looking at Duncan, you know, is Duncan a person, place, or a thing, or is Duncan a process? You know, I'm starting to see this evolution of people seeing nouns as verbs as a process. I love it. I think there's a real magic in there. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's yin and yang, right? So, I mean, language is pretty universal because one of the things that I appreciate about NLP um, isn't just about the use of language because language is like whether I speak Chinese or English or whatever it is, uh, we follow syntax, we follow grammar, we follow structure, we follow those things. And in the ancient days, I mean, let's go back to ancient practice, the language was magic. Right? We talked about yeah. like, yeah, language is magic, right? It's magic is an Spell. expression of consciousness. It's spells. Um, so we use that today as wow. well. And nouns are important. It's sort of the yang approach. Yang is important because it freezes things. They're objects we can touch and feel them and so forth. Process verbs and stuff are movements, right? And so we need both. Like at the end of the day, we need both, right? Um, and and how and and the beauty of and, and why I enjoy NLP as a process, uh, not just in my career but in life 
is it helps to really um, formalize or at least give a framework around sort of how consciousness and energy uh, expresses itself and how we use things like nouns, for example, to create containers, right? Their containers are useful and then we can use verbs and processes and descriptives to fill that out. That's the story and the narrative, the movement. Uh, we need both. At the end of the day, uh, we need both. We need the nouns. We need the things to focus on the, the, the you know, the, the, the willpower, the masculine, the electric part of things, right? And then we need the process, the flow, the movement to fill in the feminine side of things, right? The, the expression, the emotion, the, the story, the, the motivation, right? And, and you need that to achieve your goals um, and you need goals to exist. Otherwise, it'll just be a whirlpool that circles in on each other all the time, right? So it's, it's a beautiful uh, symbiosis, right? So once we understand that, and this is the perfect time, especially going out of burnout, is generally you begin to reconnect to all of these very natural uh, human abilities that we have that may seem supernatural. They're not. They're actually uh, been there. And uh, by connecting to it and realizing from a practical sense, we can do so much more. Uh, with so little, right? With so little, and and live in and live with a lot more grace and happiness and joy. Um, it is burnout can be a game changer for so many people, even though that process uh, can be a nightmare for so many people, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Do you think it's fractal? Do you think that like the individuals are going through burnout at the same time our society is going through burnout, and they're just like you know they are just part of it? Is that? Do you do you see mm -hmm. it that way? That's the lessons, right? So the lessons is we moved away from institutional structure, even mm -hmm. though we focus into a, a very me-centric, I want things now, um, and collectively we're learning how to let go. So the lesson mm -hmm. is letting go. Um, and uh, a lot of the challenge when it comes to building and wanting and having is control, right? Because we want to control everything and we lose yeah. relationship. Even technology is a form of control, right? I've been writing algorithms and, and, and logic diagrams and maps to program things. And, you know, if you even look at modern day, like AI, for example, we moved away from being rules-based and we're moving towards like fluid-based, looking at just how things operate and having AI stitch that together consciously, right? So, you know, that is also an expression of us. We're going through the exact same thing. Um, burnout just has a, a deeper relationship to a lot of uh, mental and emotional health challenges. And that's why I guess it's a lot more personal less like philosophical or spiritual for people. It's very personal for people, but there's a health relationship to it. Yeah, it's interesting. The idea of relationships and the and the language we use on a daily basis to describe our relationships. Oftentimes it seems to me in my experience that going through burnout fundamentally changes your relationship with everything around you. Because in some ways it's almost it's almost like you were rewiring your brain to have a different relationship with the world, you know, and that's where I got into the idea of neuroplasticity. It seems to me, and, and as someone who's an NLP practitioner, in some ways, that's what's happening, right? Is we're changing the way our brain, we're changing the relationship with the way we see the world, which is kind of like neuroplasticity. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that the somewhat of, and, and that's true. And the opposite that makes burnout okay. a challenge is uh, it's, we're not neuroplastic enough. We're very, we're, we're, oh. we're too rigid. Right, when we're too rigid in our ways, yeah. even though we want stuff, but we're always like, you know, this is our goal. This is we must do, we must have, produce, go, 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 go. And we lose the ability to connect to the deeper problems, right? And sometimes, you know, from more of a more of a clinical lens, is sometimes we feel that 
what we want to have and we just keep doing and following these cycles really just it's about satisfying something really simple like an unfulfilled need that's really simple and, and i love this one because some of us come in and goes duncan what's the secret to happiness right so we go and <laughs> questions and i'm like well from an nlp lens right happiness is instant Right. If I just went and if I said, mm -hmm. George, think of a time in your past where you were ecstatic, right. you were super happy and you can relive that memory and right. your smile goes up your body. I'm like, congratulations, you're happy. <laughs> right. Like you don't yeah. need drugs. You don't need all these different things. It's so easy to go into happiness. And the real question for so many people is not about happiness, about these states is how do I not live in misery? Like, how do I move into the flow states mm. of fulfillment and purpose and meaning and what might sound like philosophy and, and and those concepts but really is human like i call those very technical skills right like how unfortunately we never were born to be like this is the technical uh, manual to how to be a human being uh yes we live in, in free will so we get to choose uh whether our happiness or our demise you know that's our choice um, at the end of the day where the illusion really kicks in is uh when we externalize things so much that mm -hmm. we no longer remember the connection we have to create our own world and then we feel the world uh, controls us, right? It's all about control, right? In, in, in this in this aspect, um, and then everything circles around that. And when we let go, right? When the when we let go, the illusion drops, and then you, we realize so many uh, unique, not just other new frameworks and new techniques and tools and uh, ways of being and living and doing and having uh, that are so much that are so much more fulfilling. Uh, that doesn't require you to be a philosopher, right? We can, we can be a very, we can apply science. We can apply things like neuroplasticity, where it's about learning, right? If we're growing, we feel alive, right? So yeah. our, our natural state is to be very neuroplastic, right? Um, and and we lost that. We lost that along the way of industrializing things too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we lost it or it was conditioned out of us. Conditioned out of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an accurate. That isn't is an accurate uh, representation of it. <laughs> Yeah, on some level, I, I, I'm excited because I see the world of the public school system of Pavlovian dogs being changed on some level. And it's, it's coming from the ground up. And that's where all change comes from, right? Change comes from the bottom up. People up top can try to make change happen. <laughs> but it's much better when it's organic. And we see, we see this happening from the ground up. You know, you had brought up this idea of control. And I'm curious, what do you – is someone – what do you think is the relationship between control and uncertainty? They're intimately tied. And yes. so our fear of uncertainty is control. Like our process of, uh, of, of managing uncertainty uh, is control. I mean, certainty and uncertainty, by the way, they're yin and yang of each other. Meaning is you need yes. you need uncertainty or what sometimes we can call it like freshness, right? We need we need we need uniqueness, right? We need novelty in that way because it helps spice things up and it helps us grow. It helps us grow as well, right? And expand. Um, but we need stability as well, or our nervous system just deregulates and then we go into fight or flight. That's not very useful as well. And so the right balance of control and the right balance of of expansion is needed uh, and, and sort of why like like you know it's like your destiny is where it's very playful and malleable um but it's um you know your values and your belief systems uh, usually done right uh, helps you to uh, set the the guardrails right to help you really follow that follow your path for those especially coming out of burnout usually uh, what they're asking for not just purpose and, and fulfillment but they ask those real deep existential questions like who am i what is my purpose and uh, when you have a, a deeper understanding, having a relationship with yourself, you begin to realize 
Um, and you know, in my generation, we have this whole YOLO, YOLO period, right? You only live once. Um, and and you know, you hear these stories in my younger times as a millennial, as, as sort of the late stage millennial is. Um, it was like, oh, go on travels, go on these experiences, travel the world, blah, blah, blah. Everything is so transient. And that was great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and then they came back and they're like, then what? And, and I feel I still feel empty and, and unfulfilled on the inside, right? And today we might use words like spiritual bypassing or something like that, right? Or personal growth by bypassing or something. And it's really down to the same questions. Like once you get clarity around that deeper relationship with yourself, and again, there are tools and techniques for this. Um, it's so easy to really YOLO because the opposite of YOLO is how do I go on my deathbed, like leave this world mm. with no regrets? Some people say, how do I leave every day better than the next, right? Um, and those comes down to your blueprint, which is structure that is called your values, right? So yes, we can change our values in extreme ways like near-death experiences. We've seen those happen. Mm -hmm. And by work as well, we use NLP to shift those. But naturally for those who have who want to have a stronger sense of identity and who they are and what they're meant to do, um, we have that born into us. So that's our that's our blueprint. And uh, where it's really important back to conditioning is sometimes uh, we may be overconditioned with beliefs and values that aren't really aligned to who we are. And that's when we get today, we call it imposter syndrome or mm -hmm. feeling that, you know, uh, either we're not worthy or we don't deserve it or not loved or not this, uh, not enough and all those different things. And those are all really great, like, uh, contrast to help you look okay, at what does enough mean to you? What is worthiness? What is love? Or these deeper things that's subjective in nature, but very unique to tying back to that blueprint. And when you do, everything opens up and then, you know, that's where flow happens. That's where grace happens, right? So flow is important. We use that as peak performance, but grace from a very, from a very like, and, and why I, I say the word spirit, but from a metaphysical lens and you know, I know both of us have, like in the world of even psychedelics and consciousness expansion yeah. and so forth is you have something that's so metaphysical and we go through this body to make it physical, right? Going mm -hmm. through our mental body or emotional body or physical body and just building things um, it has to be clear, right? So once that is clear, uh, things flow. There is a grace there. Things are blocked. Uh, well, guess what? You're not just at late stage. You're going to get physical problems, obviously. But even in the medium, early stages, you get all of this like static and noise and confusion and all these other emotions, which aren't bad. It's just we don't understand what those emotions mean. Um, and then we suppress it to the next day and we go really into, into deep level problems like burnout, late stage burnout, especially. It's, it's, it's really well said. I, sometimes when I, when I talk to people or that, that are in the midst of, of like a late stage crisis, you know, and believe you me, I have tons of people in my family, myself, and all probably if we're being honest, someone in our family or ourselves have gone through this stage of burnout or the time of crisis. And if you haven't, well, get ready because it's probably coming your way. So <laughs> what's interesting though, and what I like to tell people and myself is congratulations. It's like right when you're down in the dumps and like everything is horrible and the world is falling down around you and you're calling your friend like, I can't fucking believe it. Sherry, die, why me? The best thing you can do is be like, congratulations. Because I feel like you are at the crossroads of gaining understanding. For the first time in your life, you can't control things, and that's a positive thing. Or maybe it's not the first time. Hopefully, it's not the first time. But like that is a real opportunity to do some learning. When everything around you is crashing, it's probably a sign that you're on the point of a breakthrough. Is that good? Like, what do you think about that? Like, it seems it's, it's helped me in the past 
I'm just curious to get your thoughts yeah, on that. that. That is by design, like in, in my experience anyways, right? So beliefs aside, that's my experience, right? Meaning is what I found is, so, you know, crises obviously don't get too many of those, right? So right. whether it's a burnout crisis or a divorce or whatever those, we're yeah. seeing a lot more of those today. Yep. Yep. Um, but these crises teach us lessons. And I know sometimes we hear this concept of it's in the silver lining, like, like look at the silver lining. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I want to reframe that. I want to be like, it's not. It's not about looking at the silver lining. Is right, let's right. look at let's expand the lining, right? Because right, right. that lining stores the lessons that you need to learn. And I feel so many of us today, unfortunately conditioned or not, um, is we aren't very wise, right? So we don't integrate. We have so much information, right, to the point where we have fake news, right? And we have so much information that we it's hard for us to discern. And as we discern, it's even more difficult for us to integrate that into wisdom. Um, and so why understanding consciousness and going into a lot of these meta metaphysical concepts and principles really yield a lot of tools and a lot of techniques and frameworks that really help to, uh, for many of us going through this, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a change maker or a leader or achiever going through uh, these type of crises, or even worse at times what makes a burnout crisis a crisis isn't the deregulation is i'm burning out you're holding your your business together your venture together your job together and suddenly your partner leaves you or your aging parents goes into an illness or your child goes into illness or you go into illness or whatever it is and there's just no capacity to navigate that um, and so that's a huge crisis situation and you have to really not just sift, sort and prioritize, but you have to regulate extremely quickly. And what makes, you know, my, what I chose in terms of my work anyways, I never decided to enter into burnout. It just happened that I fell into burnout. I left that, went into systems change. So reinventing food banks, building schools in Africa. Like I've been doing a lot of those really fun things and just came full circle because I realized that. Um, there was a deep need for so many people as, uh, you know, like my mission is to empower the way we work, live and grow. Um, and a big part of it, my my season of this career, my contribution in, uh, in the next five, seven years is to really figure out this burnout piece and create a platform or a channel for for our own growth and evolution and breaks and what you said, your breakthroughs. Right. Um, so a lot of our work is how do we how do we find and discover and use a a, a more you know structured process to uh, experience those breakthroughs and then find meaning through those breakthroughs mm -hmm. to move your life in the direction that you need to go right to be you really uh, is sort of it's time to be you was one of my models I used you know like 10 years ago that was in my early days of going through burnout it's fascinating I you know on a grander scale like I the idea of patterns, like it's really difficult. I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it takes at least two people to notice a pattern. Like I can look at my life and see a pattern, but if I have someone there that's looking at it, now it's confirmed. You know what I mean by that? Like it seems like very helpful. And I'm curious in your process is, is that, and it seems also that it, when you're with someone and you realize a pattern and they can use, they can, they can see that pattern with you and confirm that pattern. On some level, that speaks to the idea of connectedness and patterns and making change. Is that something like it seems like you're really good at that? Like I could imagine sitting down with you and talking to you. See, what's the secret sauce? Are you helping people understand that pattern? Is it necessary for that? Like it's all connected, right? 
So that's the that's the perfect description of the entire profession of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about that, right? So uh, at the end of the day is especially, you know, I want to burn out just general like uh, reflection and growth right, is right. again, we've lost the relationship with ourselves. Yes, yes. Yep, um, yep. And so so ideally is, you know, that's why we have practices like meditation and mindfulness and so forth is that allows you to what you would do the same thing with another person uh, to do with yourself. Um, now, per, with another person is useful, especially if they're, you know, they don't have to be trained, but they're more like uh, empathic or they have that natural tendency is they can reflect it back to you. Um, now, the challenges of interpersonal relationships is sometimes they project their baggage onto you and then it becomes like a cluster storm, right? Yeah. Uh, we don't want that uh, as well, but a, a lot. And, and I've learned this, especially in, in, in romantic relationships is even in my capacity as some as I know I have the answer and I see it as well. Like I see them sort of moving into self-sabotage. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't really create change, right? Sometimes I even create resistance. And it's just the ability, and then I teach this to managers as well, especially around empathic leadership and so forth, is if you know how to hold space properly, if you know how to ask questions properly, just like you're doing as a podcast host, you ask those questions properly. It's it's so funny that people be like, now that I hear myself talking, right? And then they'll go into their own solution and they'll be like, like they'll be, George, what do you think? And you, and you just repeat what they said, yeah, like, what an amazing idea. And then they're gone yeah. uh, doing their thing. That's it, it, in the in the a good day for a therapist is, is what they're looking for, right? Um, right. And, and for a lot of people, that's that's enough, right? Especially, and in, in, it's, it's a global issue, but more specifically in, in the United States because uh, your general surgeon just sort of put up on the top of the list is loneliness, right? Mm. Our technology has created a filter uh, towards real human to human interaction. And, you know, we live in, we, especially generation Z, they, they grew up in a, in a very virtualized type and a very fast paced virtualized, um, almost a hallucination of a world. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, so, yeah. so there are challenges of like, how do you get the feedback to listen to yourselves when you, and when you, when your life is so determined on all of the, all of the devices around you, right? Um, and so we have to also be very cognizant of that because that is an entire, that's a generation, by the way, type of conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they too are going through similar lessons, but in a very different way. Wow. It's, it blows my mind to think of, I'm, I know we're kind of coming up on time here. I got a few more minutes, but I have one more question that I heard that I wanted to get your opinion on. And it is the, the difference between a symbol and a sign. And from what I have read that a sign is something we see that points to an action, but a symbol is something that not only points to an action, but participates in it. Like the yin and yang you were talking about. It talks, it like participates in the actual change and you can see it in there versus like a stoplight. <laughs> so, we'll connect so, so we'll break the linguistics of that. So okay. let's, let's go into traditional symbolism. Okay. Uh, symbols are very useful because symbols hold energy or a definition or a resource of some kind right and so mm -hmm. when we see a logo for example uh, or we see what we attribute to say a lincoln or something like that with with, with uh, matthew mcconaughey his sultry voice right uh, those symbols evoke we, we want to evoke something right it can evoke mm -hmm. beliefs it can evoke emotions and all of those things can lead to certain behaviors and directions of where we want to go in life right so very practical from that land symbols and symbols used throughout time uh, just like how we, as simple as language, uh, is, yeah. is very important. Signs are intuitive, meaning is even from a, 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 a cognition perspective, is, you know, and Carl Jung called it like synchronicity, right? Something yeah. called serendipity or these different things is 
when you have a clarity of what you want in life, and so this is sort of like, it falls into the law of attraction schools as well, or and that type of stuff. It's really all the same thing is if you have clarity, so that that's where breakthrough happens, is when you have true clarity, your, your nervous system wires yourself to begin to sense, right? Whether it's through your five senses or through a heightened five senses in the more intuitive realms, right? Uh, where those signs come in and leads you to do actions and behaviors uh, towards uh, that of what you want to create. And sometimes we can even use the words like, oh my God, the, the universe is conspiring and so forth and call that law of attraction. Uh, but what it really is in its most simplest form is uh, cognitively and, and, and neurologically is you want to clear up all the stuff that we don't want. So if you're walking through life, like, for example, in relationships is, so what do you want in a relationship? And you're like, I don't want a person that cheats on me. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. And then you're saying, okay, uh, what do you want? And then you're staring into blank space. Like no one's ever asked me that before. Um, so from that lens, I call it the gas and the brake problem, right? Is too many of us live our life, uh, our foot on the brake and we continue stepping on the brake and then we use all these biohacking new level resources to put our foot on the gas looking at the rear view mirror and this our, our vehicle like this vehicle is breaking down really hard and so we want to get our foot off the brake we want to look forward and then have the tools to to and these tools being flow and emotions and states and all these different things, we want to put the gas on in a way uh, that helps us move towards what we want to create in our lives. That's it. It's really, it's actually kind of really simple, but the the process could be can can get pretty in depth. Um, but for so many people, it's just really like once you have once you're looking forward and not the rearview mirror, and you're consciously putting your foot on the gas without your foot on the brake. Uh, well, guess what? The signs appear. Right. And then those signs materialized into something that's more what your vision is, um, is what we call achievement. Right. In, in, in a new way. And so the difference is moving forward is how do you achieve the things that give you a sense of growth and fulfillment and passion and love and joy and all those things that uh, that make beingness fun. Right. Um, otherwise, you're just for the sake of doing things, putting your foot on on different pedals and, and just driving in circles and looking at the wrong things. And so we don't want to do that. That just can get pretty miserable pretty quickly. And isn't it interesting when you have one foot on the brake and you mash the gas, you do a burnout. Yeah. Burn out <laughs> everything, the tires or brakes, everything, right? So <laughs> Duncan, you're so awesome. This is like I, the time we're on our time, and this is way too fast. I felt like we just started talking. So you gotta come back and we gotta do something longer. Sure. I gotta block off like a couple hours because I think we could just barely even scratch the surface. But I know you've got some cool stuff coming up and I wanted to give you a, a moment to tell people like what you got coming up, where people can find you and what you're excited about. Yeah, so really exciting this year. We're launching our retreats in Mexico. So we'll be yeah. uh, in Puerto Vallarta. We'll be in, in Cabos. Los Cabos doing this work. We're introducing psychedelics into our work as well. So we'll go into another discussion on that, but how 5-MEOD, how expansion and consciousness really... Uh, not just accelerates recovery, but really propels us towards purpose and meaning and falling onto our, you know, moving away from just having a career, but into calling and contribution. And so that is something that is is very strong this year and uh, elevating and helping workplaces to uh, move towards that direction for all of their employees, all of their people, uh, as well as individuals, entrepreneurs uh, as well. So 
you know, obviously burnout is is my jam. Uh, so if 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 you're exhibiting any of those, uh, do feel free to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to have a conversation there. Game changer with NLP psychedelics and integration. Like we didn't even we just didn't even touch on that. I'm so upset, but we'll get it. We'll, we'll do another one, ladies and gentlemen. Go check out Duncan. His links will be in the show notes down there. This individual, I think, is a, one of the most incredible people when it comes to the ideas and, and on the cutting edge of psychedelics and NLP and integration and not only getting better, but finding ways to optimize yourself as well as healing past trauma. So go check him out. That's all we got for today. Hang on briefly afterwards, Duncan. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a beautiful day. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.